Welcome into 444.com to the most accurate podcast, perhaps one of our biggest podcasts for the season because as everybody gears up for their fantasy playoffs and their fantasy championship game, there's a lot of injury news that John Paulson and I have to jump into and let's do that right now. JP, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing, Anthony? Good, good, real good. Uh, looking looking forward to the weekend. I, I'm in one championship league, Are you or one championship game. Uh, are you as well? I know you are because aren't you in ours? Yeah, in our keeper league, I am in the final. Uh, I, f- I feel like I'm behind the eight ball a little bit, but we'll see. I have girly, so we'll talk about that a little bit about uh, what things you have to do if you're a girly owner. Um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, girly, Melvin Gordon. We've got so many injury things to discuss today. Before we get into that, I've got a couple of uh, items for you. Music, though, John. Who brought us in today? Yes, that was a two-person band called Sophie Tucker. They're kind of electronic alternative band. Uh, the name of the song, uh, you might have heard it on the radio. It's called Best Friend. Um, we included the clean version on the pod today. <laughs> uh, it's from their 2018 album, uh, Treehouse. It's the last track off that. It was also released as a single, I think, back in 2017, and, and it hit the radio then. But I don't think it was as big a hit as it should have been, so uh, check it out. You know, we haven't given listeners an update on how you've been doing for your accuracy rankings uh, this year, JP. I wanted to give up uh, listeners an update because you just finished third for week 15. You're up to eighth year to date. And I know that you're somebody that really prides yourself on rankings. And I don't want to say you take it hard because, you know, you, but you, you, you care about it and you care about giving uh delivering the most accurate information week to week so wanted to congratulate you on the on your third place finish for week 15 and then you're up to eighth year to date and uh i know you and i know how good you are and i think by the end of the year you're you're going to be either even higher than eighth but no pressure <laughs> way to set me up for failure this weekend <laughs> uh yeah it's been a kind of a slog this year a lot of the traditionally accurate uh, rankers over the last five years or so uh I wouldn't say they've been struggling, but it's just been kind of a weird year where, for me personally, a lot of my process plays that typically work out, some of them didn't earlier in the year, and I've been kind of bouncing between 10 and 20, um, but I've had a couple of good weeks in a row. I think I was like 15th or 17th in week 14, and then third last week, so that uh, really got me into striking distance to the top five. I would love to finish top five, that'd be awesome, but really my goal right now is to finish in the top 10. All right, let's dive into some injury stuff. And actually, it's not an injury that we're going to lead off with. We're going to talk about Josh Gordon, who is suspended indefinitely for violating the league's substance abuse policy. Let's leave the personal stuff out of it, John. We don't we don't know Josh Gordon. We don't know what uh, he's he's going through. Let's stick to how this impacts fantasy football owners, since this is a fantasy football podcast. So, what who who benefits in the Patriots passing game, or is it even more than that? Do you feel as though that maybe? They'll rely even more on a specific running back, maybe rookie Sony Michelle. 
Well, I think this game shapes up to be a run-heavy uh, game for the Patriots. The The Bills are pretty good against the pass, and the, not as great against the run, so I think you could see a lot of ball control and, and a lot of uh, rushing attempts for this backfield this week. Uh, I don't think that there's a super great pivot uh, to one of the other receivers in this offense with Gordon out. Chris Hogan has been playing a lot of snaps um, early in the year when uh, uh, Julian Edelman was out and they didn't acquire, they hadn't acquired Gordon yet. He was playing 86 to 90% to hundred percent of the snaps actually in week three against Detroit. He had three catches for 31 yards. Now he really didn't do a whole lot except for week two against Jacksonville, three for 42, two touchdowns on five targets. Um, one for 11 against Houston in week one, three for 31 in week three against Detroit, one for 25 against Miami, one target. Uh, he had his biggest target targeted game was week seven against Chicago. He was six for 63. Now he could see his snaps spike and then suddenly maybe you're getting him into the five to seven target range. But with Julian Edelman there, uh, Rob Gronkowski is relatively healthy, uh, and James White obviously catching a lot of passes out of the backfield. Hogan is like the fourth option there at best. And then they also like Philip Dorsett, who played quite a bit early in the year, and they've been getting uh, Cordero Patterson involved as well. So, you know, I expect maybe Hogan to be the next best option because he is kind of a big play guy. He had the two for 68 and a touchdown, a long catch and the broken play against Pittsburgh when the Steelers decided to cover Josh Gordon with three players and Hogan with none. Um, but you can't count on that on a weekly basis. I think he's more of a dart, dart throw uh, this week, especially against Buffalo, 10th in adjusted fantasy points, a lot of wide receivers. I don't trust anybody else uh, amongst Dorsett or uh, Patterson uh, in this offense. I might throw a dart on, uh, on uh, Hogan, though. Week 16, dicey situations and injuries. There are, there are a handful to get to. Let's start off with Todd Gurley, who you had mentioned before. You're personally dealing with Gurley in a championship game, so it'll be interesting to hear what your advice is to other Gurley owners. So speaking on Thursday, this was the latest. Todd Gurley, who's dealing with a knee injury, said he had yet to run this week, but he's still optimistic that he's going to play on Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. He says, I think I'll be fine, man, just taking it day-to-day by recovering, resting, trying to feel better. Now, the situation becomes more convoluted because his backup, Justin Davis, is dealing with a shoulder injury, and he remains sidelined on Thursday. The Rams just picked up C.J. Anderson, who ultimately would carry the load if neither Gurley nor Justin Davis play what are your thoughts on on this situation for the Rams? What are you personally going to do with Gurley? I just realized that I put Rob Kelly on the rundown for you. I don't know if you said Rob Kelly. But <laughs> no, Justin Davis. <laughs> well, there's John Kelly, too. That's the John Kelly, right. Yeah, John Kelly is the guy I was thinking of when I was looking at this. And I, I went back and looked at most of his uh, preseason touches. He carried the ball 46 times in the preseason for 197 yards. Uh, 4.3 yards per attempt. He scored three touchdowns in the preseason. He also added six catches for 18 yards. Uh, not a great yards per catch there. Did have a long catch of 12. Uh, I thought he looked pretty good in the preseason. I mean, if you obviously have to reassess your or regauge your expectations because he's playing against second and third stringers. Uh, but he had some nice runs where he made a guy miss in the backfield you know, immediately, immediately upon the handoff and, and evaded him. Uh, to gain four or five yards or get around the corner and gain 10 or 12. Uh, he had a long run of 40 yards 
uh, which looked, you know, was a really nice cutback. And uh, against, the, against the Ravens, they were down 26 nothing at that point in the third quarter. So, you know, I don't know who was in defensively for the for the uh, for the Ravens at that point. Uh, but I, this is a spot where, heading into the start of the week, we thought just we weren't really sure who the backup was, John Kelly or Justin Davis, because they both had a couple carries, I think, on the season. Um, but then now Justin Davis has his shoulder injury. He's not practicing as of Thursday. We'll see what he does today. If he's out of the picture, then I think, and Gurley doesn't play for whatever reason, then I think John Kelly is the primary backup with C.J. Anderson just you know still looking for an apartment in Los Angeles. Uh, is he up to speed at this point? I would think it would have to be Kelly. Uh, as for Gurley, if he's active, I think you have to start him and expect him to play and to get you a pretty good production in the first half. And if he's in there, the, the Cardinals could try to keep it, you know, could manage to keep it close. And then Gurley has to play deeper into the second half. There is the scenario where they jump out to a big lead and then Kelly takes over in the second half. But if they have that lead, it's probably because Gurley did really well in the first half or he has a chance to, uh, the Cardinals are not good against running backs. They've been bad against the run all year. This is a great spot. Uh, for Gurley if he plays, so I wouldn't bench him. I have him at fifth, at five right now, RB5 in standard formats. I wouldn't bench him if he uh, is active. The, the other issue here is that it's the late game on Sunday, so if he's a game-time decision, that's going to get really dicey. We're hoping that we get a Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport tweet saying that he's expected to play. Um, this is a game where the Rams could win if you know without Gurley, but they're, they've dropped a couple, and it's getting a little dicey now uh, for home field advantage for first round buy. So they need, they need wins now and uh, they may not uh, take it for granted with uh, uh, that they can win without Gurley. Good news, bad news on Melvin Gordon or good news, potentially bad news with Melvin Gordon. So he wasn't even listed on the chargers final injury report for week 16. So that that's the good news. He was full participant in all three practices. However, is this is his first game back in a couple of weeks and he's got a bad matchup with the Ravens. Do, do you still trust him enough to start him if you're, playing in a championship game? I do. Um, I suppose it depends on my options. Um, if I had Chris Carson uh, and maybe Joe Mixon and only could start two running backs, then I might I, I might bench Gordon in this spot because Mixon and Carson are doing really well, have great matchups, getting tons and tons of touches. The, the issue for me is the Ravens are only allowing 88 yards rushing. Uh, they have given up 10 rushing touchdowns, so there's a decent chance that he scores a touchdown. 3.8 yards per carry uh, allowed for the Ravens. So it's a bad matchup at home. It's his first game back. You, you're a little bit leery about him. I have him ranked as a high-end RB2, low-end RB1 uh, this week. Uh, they're second in just, uh, the Ravens are second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back, so that's the concern there. Uh, I think Eckler is going to be out with a neck injury, uh, so Justin Jackson uh, would be getting some backup touches there. For, for the Chargers. Jamal Williams, who's going to replace Aaron Jones in the Packers' backfield when they take on the Jets on Sunday, he was limited at practice on Wednesday, but Joe Philbin, who's the interim coach for the Packers right now, said that he'll be a big part of the game plan on Sunday. Is Jamal Williams a solid RB2 in your mind? Yeah, he's a strong play because Aaron Rodgers has declared that he's going to play through his groin injury. If he had been out, then all of a sudden this offense completely goes in the toilet and you don't even know how many touches Williams will get because the Packers may not be able to hold on to the ball. Uh, but I think he's a strong play with with Rodgers in there in a nice matchup against the Jets. They have allowed 126 yards rushing, 4.5 yards per carry, 13 rushing touchdowns this year. 
James Conner said he's still not ready to return, and then he missed practice on Thursday. It looks like James Conner's not going to be available for this the Steelers when they travel to New Orleans to take on the Saints on Sunday afternoon. Is it safe to fire up Jalen Samuels again? Yeah, the Saints are, are really good against the run. 79 yards allowed, 3.7 yards per carry, 10 t- rushing touchdowns on the year. Uh, but Samuels is a very good receiver, and if this game gets out of hand where the Saints have jumped out to a lead, now you're looking at him as maybe a six to eight catch uh, ceiling for him. So definitely in PPR formats, I think he's a solid start. Uh, he may struggle with the running game, you know, 40, 50 yards rushing, touchdown seems eh, maybe a half a touchdown for him. But he's kind of in the same boat as Melvin Gordon. I think Gordon is the better player. Gordon can also catch passes, you know, in the back, out of the backfield as well, but Baltimore's pretty good at limiting uh, running backs in the receiving game as well. So I kind of look at these two as the same, Like whereas Samuels is kind of a poor man's uh, Melvin Gordon this week, both with bad matchups, but they can make some noise in the passing game. Spencer Ware's got a hamstring injury, and he's uh, he remained limited in practice on Thursday. Even if he does play, Damian Williams seems to be a, a good bet that uh, he'll lead the committee when the Chiefs travel to Seattle on Sunday night. Unfortunately, that game is the the, the late game. It's the Sunday night game uh, against the Seahawks. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you either benefited from Damian Williams last week or you were sunk by him. I was one of those people that was sunk by him. Do you feel as though that Damian Williams is at least an RB2, even with Spencer Ware kind of back in the mix? Well... This is a little different than if it were Kareem Hunt coming back from a hamstring injury or a shoulder injury and coming back and and just taking his starting spot back because Spencer Ware didn't have like a stranglehold on that position when he was injured. He was originally going to miss, or he originally missed the last game uh, with, we thought it was a shoulder injury, but it's also a hamstring injury. He's listed as both. So the shoulder injury is no longer listed, and now it's just a hamstring injury. He's been limited at practice this week. I think... I think if if Ware is active, I'm going to have these two fairly close with Williams um, ranked a little higher in both standard and probably a bit higher than that in PPR because he is the pass-catching back. He played well uh, last week with the two touchdowns. He made a lot of plays um, in the running game as well. He didn't uh, exactly tear it up as a runner, 10 carries for 49 yards, but you know, 4.9 yards per carry is, is significantly better than his career average of 3.9, and then he had the six catches for 74 yards. In the previous week, he had four catches for 16 yards and a touchdown. I think this is where he's going to make his noises in the passing game, and then he'll get maybe uh, six to eight uh, carries in the running game if where is available. But this is one of those dicey situations where you don't really know how they're going to handle it, how they view an injured or not 100% Spencer Ware versus a, a fairly healthy Damian Williams. Matt Breida was limited at practice on Wednesday. He was limited again on Thursday, but it, he's done this before where he was kind of limited throughout the week because he's dealing with an ankle injury and he still suits up. How comfortable do you feel that Matt Breida will, will suit up against the Bears and do you, do you even want to play Breida or Jeff Wilson in such a bad matchup? If Breida plays, I would take Breida because they seem pretty dedicated to him as the the lead back when these two are both semi-healthy. Uh, unfortunately, this is a late game, four, 4 o'clock Eastern kickoff, so we may not know Sunday morning whether or not he's going to play. Um, again, another Schefter Rappaport tweet might shed some light on that, but if, if Breed is healthy and active, or I'm not saying healthy, if he's active, <laughs> I would have to go with him over Jeff Wilson because it's just clear that they favor him over Wilson. This is just 
kind of a tough matchup against the Bears, although they haven't been as good uh, against the run on the road. Here's the situation with Buffalo right now. Marcus Murphy has has a dislocated elbow. He was placed on injured reserve, so he's out for Sunday when the Bills take on the Patriots in Foxborough. Chris Ivory was upgraded to full participation at practice on Thursday, and Coach Sean McDermott also said that LaShawn McCoy is ready to go for Week 16 versus the Patriots. Are either Ivory or McCoy RB2s, or are they more RB3s at this point? I would have I have McCoy ranked um, 35th right now in standard formats. Uh, just not hasn't really happened this year on a consistent basis for him. He's got the hamstring injury, so there's always a chance of re-injury there. Uh, he'll probably lead the backfield in touches. Uh, he has every time he's been uh, active, I think, and, and finished the game. But he's only averaging 64 total yards and has yet to find the end zone in the seven games that Josh Allen has played. So the splits aren't good. Now maybe you could argue that he's due now for a touchdown. Um, but against the Patriots, you know, they're not going to run the ball as much as they probably would like to. They probably have to throw the ball more. Maybe he gets a bunch of dump-offs and maybe has a little more value in PPR formats. But, you know, with both Ivory and McCoy back, I really don't feel great about McCoy. The Panthers wisely shut down Cam Newton following their loss on Monday night against the Saints. They're they're done for the season. And if you watch that game, Cam, Cam Newton looked like he was in a lot of pain, couldn't throw the ball accurately, uh, you know, even beyond 10 yards. So Taylor Heineke is going to start for the Panthers on Sunday against the Falcons defense that we've, we have picked on on these, this podcast, and rightfully so, uh, all season long. What does Taylor Heineke do for Carolina's offense? I'm going to go with Heineke. That's what that's Hi, what Nikki. the guy said on the yeah I, I watched the preseason games and the answer was saying <laughs> that I'm assuming he did more research than I did. I tweeted out a question: How do we pronounce his name? And most everybody said Hi Nikki. So we're gonna I'm gonna Hi, go with Nikki. Hi Nikki. There you go. I'm gonna try to go with Hi Nikki because <laughs> it looks like Hi, it looks like Heineken to me. So I might end up saying Hi, Hi Nikki. So anyway, Hi Nikki. Uh, I watched his preseason, all of his preseason throws, and he's actually and his runs. He's actually got good wheels. Um, so that, there's that. If you're looking for a, a, a replacement for Cam Newton, I think he's actually worth a look this week against the Falcons. The Falcons are 30th, I think, and then Justin Fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks uh, on the road. Uh, pretty good spot. He, he ran five times versus 36 pass attempts in the preseason. So uh, to just to give you a, like a window into how I try to figure out rushing yards and stuff for a quarterback that I know nothing about uh, – that's a 7.2 pass-to-rush ratio. So then I compare that to what this league looks like, the quarterbacks in the league, and that falls between Jameis Winston at 6.9, Blake Bortles at 7.4. So those are those are two running backs that run the ball a little bit, and then they add some points in the running game. So I think that's where you would put uh, Heineke. He can he can add some points in the, as a rusher. Uh, has good pretty good speed for the position. Uh, and then, okay, so now can he throw the ball? And, yeah, he actually can. He took some shots downfield, threw some nice balls downfield, uh, had some nice completions specifically to Curtis Samuel. So that's a you know preseason connection to keep an eye on. I broke down his targets uh, for listeners here. Samuel had nine. Uh, Bird had six. DJ Moore had five. Uh, Artis Payne had four. CJ Anderson, who's still on the team at that point. Frazier uh, each had three. Ian Thomas had two. And then there was a host of guys with one catch each, or one target each, rather. Uh, eight of 37 targets went to running back. So I think uh, 
Christian McCaffrey's role is safe. I mean, he didn't play much with McCaffrey. I don't. I didn't see McCaffrey on the field at all by the time Heineke got into the Heineke got into the <laughs> got into the game. Uh, but I think he'll be well aware that Christian McCaffrey is the focal point of the offense, and he'll you know McCaffrey's role won't change a whole lot. He did uh, hit a running back named Hood. I'm not sure what the first name is, but he hit him on uh, like a 30 yard wheel route. So keep an eye out for that. It was a very nice ball. The guy just did a wheel route and blew by his guy and scored a touchdown. So keep an eye on that. Uh, heading into this week, I think he's actually a really good DFS play based on his prices around the sites. And if you, I have him as a sneaky start as well. Like I have him ranked 21st, 22nd. He's, you know, I might bump him up a little bit. I think he's actually uh, has a good chance for a couple touchdowns, 250 yards, could add 20, 30 yards as a, as a runner, uh, given the matchup against the Falcons. What do you think about the Falcons' defense right now? Good research, man. Uh, I, I like the breakdown. <laughs> Um, so, so the Falcons are coming off their best defensive effort of the year, but of course that came against Arizona and Josh, Josh Rosen right now is just a punching bag for the, for the Cardinals. That said, they did sack them four or five times and then hit them. Actually, it might've been six times they sacked them and then hit them another nine times. They had a couple of interceptions. The, the biggest thing that I saw last week, and again, take it with a grain of salt because it was at home and it was against the Arizona Cardinals, but the communication was cleaned up a lot. And that's been a big thing with both safeties out for the year and Deion Jones missing most of the season. He just came back, I think, three games ago. The communication has been awful for the Falcons, especially on the back end. A lot of, the, a lot of those issues were, were cleaned up for them. Um, so I, I think that you know this is probably the best you're going to see the Falcons' def- defense play. But they haven't been good all year. And as you noted, I remember Heineke. I was calling him Heineke as well. Heineke, uh, a little bit at Old Dominion. He, he reset a lot of records. Very athletic kid. Tested well at the Combine. Uh, did not get drafted in 2015. He's kind of bounced around the league a little bit. But for him to be starting on Sunday shows that he does he does have some athleticism. So I, I might I might he might be a plug and play for me from a, from a DFS standpoint. My biggest concern would be Carolina just completely shutting it down. I mean, they, they their season was lost on Monday. Uh, so from you know fantasy perspective, are they, they going to move the ball at all? That that would be my my one big caution there. Uh, but Christian McCaffrey, I think, is a must play no matter what. Because if I could, yeah, if I could yeah. just add the the preseason stats, he's twenty four thirty six. Uh, 323 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. The pick uh, was actually not his fault. He completed the pass, and then the receiver got hit, and the ball popped up in the air into the arms of a defender, so not his fault. Uh, 9.0 yards per attempt. He also had five carries for 23 yards and a touchdown, and his touchdown scramble was a really nice, uh, he was like a run-pass option. He took off to the right and had to beat a closing defender around the corner to get to the pylon, so showed some athleticism there as well. I actually think, uh, I'm actually... Cautiously optimistic this week about this uh, <laughs> offense. I'll say it this way. I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Falcons allowed this kid to throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. It's been that sort of year. All right, we'll move on to Juju Smith-Schuster. He was downgraded in practice on Thursday. He suffered a groin injury at practice on Thursday. He wasn't able to to finish. Midweek problems are, are rarely good for, for uh, players. John, how concerned are you about Juju Smith-Schuster's groin injury? Well, uh yeah, midweek downgrades are never good, but they're sometimes not fatal. Bad. Right. Yeah. So like these, we see these. Uh, I do the injuries over at four for four, and we do these um, uh, central practice notes and the injury reports and all that. And 
a lot of times I see this on Thursday and then uh, they turn around, come back to practice uh, on Friday uh, and everything's fine. But uh, Ray Fittipaldo, uh, looks like he works for the Pittsburgh uh, Post-Gazette, just reported on Twitter that he was not permitted to do interviews today uh, per Steelers PR. The injury report will come out later this afternoon. Um, I'm trying to see if he if practice has been completed or has started. Um, does not say at this point, so we don't know what he's doing, what he's done on Friday. This would be a big blow, obviously, to Juju Smith owners if he's unable to play with this uh, groin injury, but I think you need to... If he does play through it, then maybe you're downgrading him a little bit because the, uh, the groin is obviously an important part of the body. Um, I don't, you know, pivots from him if he's not able to play. Uh, I'm double checking their game time. It looks like they are playing late for 25 p.m., so that's a problem as well if it's a game time decision. Um, so who could you plug in? Maybe a Traquan Smith. Uh, Anybody from the Chris Conley from the Chiefs, maybe uh, David Moore from the Seahawks, potentially uh, Tim Patrick uh, from the Broncos, Deshaun Hamilton, uh, maybe Jordy Nelson is out there for the Raiders. I mean, these are not great options if you're trying to pivot from Juju Smith Schuster and wait, you know, waiting on him uh, to see if he's available. Dante Pettis might be out there in shallow leagues. uh, Josh Reynolds for the for the Rams also plays at the same time. He could he could be a pretty good start against Cardinals. Uh, so that's what you're looking at if you if you want to wait on Juju Smith Schuster. If we don't know by uh, Sunday morning whether or not he's going to play, let's talk about Keenan Allen. So speaking on Thursday, Chargers coach Anthony Lynn said that Keenan Allen is a game time decision with a hip injury. They play on Saturday night against the Ravens. Lynn said he did some things, he being Keenan Allen, did some things limited at practice this week. But before I put a player into the game, I like to see them run at full speed, that's all. How confident are you that Keenan Allen not only will be active, but will be a a good play against a Ravens defense that obviously is is a tough matchup and Keenan Allen won't be basically a decoy? Well... Yesterday, the first tweet of the day, or first uh, information of the day that we got was from Adam Schefter, who reported that he was expected to play. Uh, so that's kind of where we were going off of, and so I put him, you know, he's in, he was in the rankings, I think, the entire week. Uh, and then now it's questionable, now it's game time decision. The good news is that he plays on Saturday, now you don't get the extra day of rest, but or healthy, or healing, but... Um, at least you know as a fantasy owner what your what your situation is on Saturday because otherwise they'd be playing in late game on Sunday and you wouldn't know until game time whether or not uh, Keenan Allen was going to play uh, with a hip injury. I would be you know I would downgrade him. I have him ranked as like a mid tier low end or wide receiver two instead of a typically you know low end wide receiver one high end wide receiver two. Uh, the matchup uh, from a holistic standpoint is pretty bad the Ravens are excellent against uh, receivers in general and just offenses in general but his um, specific matchup against Tavon Young is the best uh, the slot corner there for for Baltimore uh, is the best matchup of any of the uh, receivers for the uh, for the Chargers so um, if he does play you know I could see like a six for 60 and maybe he scores a touchdown type of a day uh, if he's out, then you're looking at Mike Williams getting peppered with targets, Tyrell Williams getting peppered with targets, and uh, Travis Benjamin uh, back in the fold and getting on the on the field 70, 80% of the time. Uh, 
if he if Ken, Ken Allen's out, I got to downgrade uh, Philip Rivers a little bit. But he's such a gamer that uh, he he has a pretty high floor regardless of who's out there uh, catching the ball. Odell Beckham has been ruled out against the Colts. This is his third straight game that he'll miss. Do you like Sterling Shepard? He's the basically the number one wide receiver now for the Giants. What do you think of Evan Ingram uh, as well as maybe a, a flex option? Yeah, uh, I was expecting more, frankly, from Sterling Shepard than what we've seen over the last few weeks with Odell uh, Beckham out. Beckham has missed the last two games, and Shepard has a measly four catches for 54 yards and a touchdown on 15 targets. The targets are great. He had nine targets last week against Tennessee, but only caught two for 37. He's, uh, I think Shepard's good. Uh, he had, if you might remember back in week seven against the Falcons, he had five catches for 167 yards, <laughs> uh, 33.4 yards per reception that week. Uh, he had a couple of 75 he had three consecutive 75-yard or more games with two touchdowns in a three-game span against Houston, New Orleans, and Carolina, weeks three through five. Uh, but he hasn't cleared 40 yards uh, since the since that Atlanta game, week seven. So with Beckham out, I was expecting a lot more from him. He played 100% of the snaps against Tennessee. I still think he's a decent play because just the, the metrics are there. The fundamentals are good. Nine targets, you know, um, is, is a good is, is a good number of uh, is, is is good usage, but the the matchup against the Colts is actually not as good as it used to be. You know, the Colts defense used to be terrible. Now it's actually pretty good, and it's in Indianapolis. And Eli Manning is not playing the great great ball, but you know he should see another eight to ten targets this week and be a decent play. I remember that game, John, because it was one of the few Falcon victories on the year. So we we got to make sure that <laughs> you keep those in mind. Uh, let's talk about T. Y. Hilton. He returned to practice on Friday. He's good to go. He's been dealing with that ankle injury now for a couple of weeks, but he lit up the Texans two weeks ago. He caught five passes for 85 yards last week against the Cowboys. No, no issues firing him up, correct? Yeah, I think Hilton's good. He's back in practice today. We're all we're all good with him. And you asked about Evan Ingram, and I didn't. I was so focused on Sterling Shepard that I didn't respond. But Ingram's been pretty good since uh, the injury to Beckham. Three for 77, five targets against Washington. Eight for 75 on 12 targets last week against Tennessee. It's actually his third straight game with 66 yards or more. He had two for 66 against the Tampa in Week 11, so it seems like he's uh, making a late late push here to score some points at the tight end position. All right, moving on from T.Y. Hilton to Randall Cobb. He suffered a concussion, did not practice on Thursday. Looks like he's a long shot to suit up against the Jets. Do you like St. Brown or Valdez Scantling? Opposite of... uh... (laughs) I mean, I mean, these, these names of the Packers are incredible. So, do you like St. Brown or do you like Valdez Scantling uh, behind you, da, Dante uh, Adams? Devontae Adams. Why, did, why didn't you say their first names? It's Equinemius. Equ- Equinemius and Marquez Valdez Scantling. <laughs> <laughs> Trying not to trip myself uh, up on a Friday. What's funny is that this this Packer receiving core it started off with Valdez Scantling being well ahead of St. Brown, and then all I see is. Aaron Rodgers shaking his head at St. Brown throughout the season, and now St. Brown is playing more snaps than Valdez-Scantling. So I would say that the primary beneficiary would be St. Brown and because he played 62% of the snaps compared to uh, MVS playing uh, 31% of the snaps in Week 15. Uh, week 14, it was 52% to 46% respectively, and you have to go all the way back to Week 13 uh, which is where maybe Valdez Scantling lost the job. It's, he had 84% of the snaps that week, and um, 
St. Brown played 20% of the snaps, so I'm just looking at what he did in Week 13. Of all this, Scantling uh, caught just two passes for 19 yards on seven targets against uh, Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals. So it looks like they, at that point, decided they were going to get St. Brown more involved, and he's been playing more over the last two weeks, although he hasn't done a whole lot. Three targets in each of the last two games, two for 12 against Atlanta, one for seven against Chicago. So not great production there, although that was partly because Randall Cobb was back. Uh, soaking up 13 targets over the last two weeks, uh, 18 targets the last three weeks. If he's out, I would go, I would turn to St. Brown next, but they may get uh, MVS back in there or even Jake Kumaro, who um, was a big preseason star, I guess, for, for the Packers. And I know Aaron Rodgers likes him a lot, but he had 31% of the snaps last week against Chicago. Let's do some sneaky starts, which are awfully helpful for this time of year, especially with all the injuries and all the things that we just discovered with some tough situations impacting both wide receivers and running backs. But let's start off with the quarterback you like this week. Yeah, we already talked about uh, Heineke. Uh, so another guy that looks pretty good is Sam Darnold. Uh, the, the Packers obviously have been eliminated from the, the playoff hunt, um, and they've been giving up uh, pretty good passing yards to uh, three competent quarterbacks in the last week. Uh, last four weeks, Mitch Trubisky, 235 yards, two touchdowns. Matt Ryan, 262 yards and two touchdowns. And Kirk Cousins, 342 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, they all scored at least 19 points fantasy-wise uh, in those games. Darnold's coming off a 253-yard, two-touchdown game against the Texans. And he has at least 18 fantasy points in three of his last four home games. Not real good on the road, but pretty good at home. He now has a budding rapport with my man, Robbie Anderson. Uh, so I think those two hook up for another touchdown this week against the Packers. I think he's a decent uh, play, especially in DFS formats where he's really cheap. All right, a couple of running backs that you like, three of them to be uh, exact. Two are coming off big games last week, and another one got in the end zone. So which three running backs do you like? Yeah, we've already talked about Damian Williams, John, Jamal Williams, John Kelly. So I went down the list here, and Elijah McGuire. Uh, I want to mention him again after being questioned, peppered with questions about why I was quote-unquote so high on Elijah McGuire last <laughs> week, and he ended up with 71 yards and a touchdown, so that goes out to all the uh, McGuire haters last week. He had 21 touches, and you know he's not that good, uh, or he hasn't been that good, 3.33 3. yards per carry, but when you're getting 21 touches, you got to follow the volume, and that, that's what happened last week against Houston. I think the Packers, middle of that... Uh, Packers' defensive line is pretty beat up. Uh, McDaniels is out. Uh, so uh, he'll be able to, to run for his three-and-a-half yards per carry and grind out maybe 60 yards and a touchdown. He, he'll catch a lot of passes, too. He's been pretty good in that area uh, throughout the season. I think Kalen – is it Balazs or Balazs? Balazs. Balazs. All right. I should have checked that one. At least that's how, the, that's how the announcers were saying it during the game last week. Kalen, yeah. Kalen Balazs. This part of the podcast goes out to everybody who hates how I pronounce people's <laughs> names and don't know what I'm doing, which is fine. Um, but your Frank Gore's out. Uh, and the funny thing about this game against uh, uh, the Vikings was that you would have thought with Frank Gore out now, all of a sudden Kenyon Drake is going to get the, the bulk of the carries, but instead they brought Balazs in, and he broke a 75-yard run, ended up with uh, 12 for 123 and a touchdown. Uh, he does have a history of pe- uh, catching passes in, in college as well. So he, you know, he had ze- I think he had zero catches last week. He might have had one catch, one catch for minus two yards on one target last week. So he wasn't really involved in the passing game, but he may be more involved against the Jaguars this week in the passing game because he can catch the ball. Uh, Jacksonville has yielded 160 yards rushing in six away games. Uh, 
versus 90 uh, yards on average rushing in eight home games this season. So the game being in Miami is a big deal uh, for Balaj. I think he's a pretty good play. Uh, the third guy is Zach Zenner. Uh, this is a deeper, a deeper cut, if you would, if you, if you will, with him. Uh, 12 for 54 and a touchdown in Week 14 against Arizona. 10 for 45 and a touchdown uh, against the Bills last week. It's not a great matchup against Minnesota, but as I just mentioned, Balaj ran for 120 plus yards against him. Zenner's um, snaps are rising. He also had three targets last week against Buffalo. And Mr. LeGarrette Blunt is dealing with a calf injury in practice, so he may either be inactive or see his workload reduced as they take a look at Zenner. I mean, I think they know what they have in LeGarrette Blunt at this point. Maybe they have to decide if they want Zenner on the roster next year. Circling back to Elijah McGuire, just to give you some kudos, I, I was I had to pick up somebody to do. I mean, really, I've been playing Russian roulette with one of my teams for uh, the RB two position, and. I had McGuire, I had Frank Gore, I had Ito Smith, and I nearly almost almost uh, played Ito Smith solely because, I mean, I'm a Falcon fan and I've watched Ito Smith and he's looked pretty good. But I looked at your rankings and I said, I'm going to stick with my man. So I played Elijah McGuire. Uh, now that, unfortunately, was the same team that I had Keenan Allen and Tyreek Hill, so it didn't matter. I lost anyways. But to your credit, John, and to your rankings, I played the right running back in that spot. So I always go with your rankings, John. <laughs> and this is why you're moving exactly. and, this, and this is why you're moving up the charts all right yeah let's do yeah. some wide receivers now you like three wide receivers as well yeah i think robert foster is still a, a nice play it, you know i have him in the mid-20s this week and it might be a little aggressive against the the patriots they have pretty good outside corners uh they may figure out a way to uh, take him away and scheme him out uh but he's got great speed you look at his last five games, three for 105, two for 94 and a touchdown. He had one for 27 in, in the middle of this, but then he had seven for 104 and four for 108 and a touchdown. That one for 27 came before the Bills released Kelvin Benjamin. So his snaps were still hovering around the 50% mark, and now he's playing uh, significantly more uh, snaps. He's up over uh, 80, he was 84% last week, 96% the week before. So he's playing full full time snaps. And this is basically, you know, is he gonna is he gonna get deep for a couple of passes? Uh, he did catch seven seven balls against uh, the Jets, uh, but you know, four for one hundred eight last week against uh, the Lions, twenty seven yards per catch. He's averaging twenty four point six yards per catch on the season. So this is kind of a boom bust play. I mean, if he hits, he's gonna score you know fifteen twenty points for you. If he he also you know could post a goose egg if they can't connect. Um, but you would expect the Bills to be throwing the ball more this week against the, the Patriots than they normally would want to uh, since the game's on the road and the, the, the Patriots are expected to jump out to a to a lead in this one. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie is also a pretty good a PPR play uh, in that, <coughs> excuse me, in that offense. He's at 11.7 fantasy points. <coughs> excuse me, 11.7 fantasy points last week, 16.9 the week before. He had 9.9 against the Jaguars back in week 12. So he scored about 10 fantasy points or more in three of the last four games. And they, they run the ball with him a little bit. And they he has a rush, rush for two touchdowns in that span as well. So he's dangerous in that respect. I think John Ross with uh, Tyler Boyd out is a decent play. He's going to have to go up against Denzel Ward, who's been really good this season, but struggled a little bit lately. Uh, maybe he catches a long one, but he's also one that they, you know, they get inside the 10-yard line. They start to look for him 
uh, kind of doing a little slant run across the middle. They'll, they'll look for Ross on that. So he's a, he's a threat uh, with Boyd out, at least seeing his targets jump up to that 7 to 10 range. And then I mentioned Traquan Smith uh, previously uh, in the pod when we were talking about uh, pivoting off of uh, late, I don't know who it was, Juju. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Juju. So uh, Traquan Smith, I, I know people are going to be like, why Traquan Smith? He's been terrible lately. Yes, he has been terrible lately. He had... Uh, two for 15 last week against the, the Carolina Panthers, four targets. Uh, two goose eggs back-to-back, three for th- week 13 week 14 on the road. However, if you look back to his last few home games, 10 for 157, a touchdown on 13 targets against the Eagles, week 11. Against the Rams, two for 23, and a touchdown on three targets, week 9. And then all the way back to week 5 at home, the last the third home game, three for 111 and two, tar- uh, two touchdowns on three targets, uh, against the Redskins, that's when he started playing 67% of the snaps or so. So that's what his playing time's been recently. I think he, again, like uh, Robert Foster, will have a chance to make a big play in this passing game if he catches it for a touchdown. You're looking at, you know, 60 yards, a touchdown, and a catch. So 13, 14 fantasy points just from, in PPR formats, just from that uh, just from that play. So, um, you know, you can't argue with the home game production there. Uh, they'll be focused on Michael uh, Thomas in the passing game that the Steelers will be secondary wise uh, dealing with Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram in the running game. So Smith could sneak back for a, for a long touchdown. Uh, just to add to Traquan Smith too, John, uh, you know, the saints that they've, they've been struggling offensively over the last couple of weeks. Now Drew Brees has not played well, but they're all three games came on the road. As you mentioned that they get back home, they're different offense. I think the offensive line injuries that the saints have had have, have also contributed into some of Drew, Drew Brees' passing woes. It wouldn't shock me if the saints got back on track and with Smith being the deep threat there, uh, that certainly makes sense for, for a dart, dart throw, sneaky start uh, possibility. All right, let's get to some tight ends. And I know you got some defensive streaming options, but let, let's hear the tight ends first. Yeah, just on the on the on the Saints there, I got questioned about my Drew Brees ranking because he's been kind of bad the last few weeks. But his home home away splits are ridiculous. He's he's been on fire at home, so that's what I'm going with uh, with with Drew Brees. Uh, at tight end, I, I did bullet points in the in the uh, sneaky starts since it's such a dire position. So I just wanted to write a sentence about a bunch of different guys. I think Trey Burton is is I know he scares people, but with uh, Mitch Trubisky under center, he's been a lot better this year. He caught a touchdown last week. His air yards have been good. Uh, it's not a great matchup against the 49ers, but you know, given his target and role in the offense with Trubisky there, I think he's still a decent start given the state of the position. Blake Jarwin uh, for the for the Cowboys has seven targets in back-to-back games. Uh, he's 11th in air yards uh, in that span at his position. So if you're looking for somebody that's kind of getting hot now and, and you know playing extra snaps with Jeff Swaim out, and getting some targets out of it as well. Jarwin is the is the guy. He's got a nice matchup with the Bucks. They're seventeenth and just a fancy points allowed to tight ends. I think Ian Thomas is a decent play based on what I saw with uh Heineke. I had to mention Heineke's name at least one more time. <laughs> uh he had nine for seventy seven on eleven targets two weeks ago. He, he didn't do much last week against New Orleans, but New Orleans is one of the best in the league at, at uh covering the tight end. Atlanta's eighteenth in that metric, uh justifying fancy points allowed to uh, tight end, so there. I think there's some upside there. And finally, Ricky Seals Jones, air yards wise, he's fourth uh, in the last two weeks. He's 13 targets in that span. He's, they're not connecting. Him and uh, Josh Rosen are not connecting. But if you're desperate at the position and just want somebody that can make a play, 
back there and maybe get you a touch, uh, not get you a touchdown, but get you a long pass down the seam. He's one. I will mention one, one more as well. Jeremy Sprinkle with uh, Vernon Davis hobbled and uh, Jordan Reed out. Uh, Sprinkle caught a touchdown last week, he had three catches for 17 yards, I think, and a touchdown. So he would be out there uh, uh, for the Redskins against the Titans this week. All right, you got some defensive streaming options as well. This is always a good time of year, I'm sure. I stream defense all the time. I I think you stream defense a lot. So what are some options for your championship games? Well, I would say to listeners to make sure, you you know, if you're looking for a defense to pick up and you're a subscriber, just look at my defensive rankings and pick the top, top one that's available in your league and play it. Um, but for listeners that don't subscribe or are too lazy to go to the site, uh, the Titans and the Patriots are both top four plays for me this week against uh, the Patriots against uh, Josh Allen at home against uh, Buffalo, the Titans at home against uh, Josh Johnson, uh, Redskins. Um, I think the Saints are actually a really good play against at home against the, even though it's Ben Roethlisberger and a good offense, I think it's a good play for the Saints. It's a tough place to play and they do pretty well. That's a really good defense, the Saints. Um, those three teams I think are close to 50% owned or right around there, maybe more more than 50% owned. The teams that are under 50% owned that I like uh, at ESPN, uh, the Colts, that's who my son Max is starting this week against the Giants at home. The Colts have been uh, playing pretty good defense this year, and I think at home against Eli with Noah Odell Beckham I think is a good spot. Uh, the Cowboys at home against Tampa, uh, 46% owned the, with uh, Jameis Winston has tendency to fumble the ball and throw interceptions, even though that's a pretty good offense there. And with Tampa, uh, I think it's a good good spot for the Cowboys defense at home. I like the Dolphins at home against Jacksonville. The Dolphins are technically still alive at, for a, a playoff spot uh, at home against Cody Kessler. That's that's a good spot as well. And then uh, the Browns at home against uh, the uh, Driscoll and uh, the Bengals, uh, 23% owned. I think that's a, a pretty good uh, play as well i've got them at 11 this week all right john great stuff save your voice now get some <laughs> get some fluids in you i know i know that that was a long podcast you had a lot to get over you did a great job as always just so you know we will be back for a week 17 podcast on friday we'll not do a podcast on monday merry christmas to you happy holidays hope you win your your fantasy championships over the weekend again no podcast on monday but we do we will do a week 17 podcast as we know some leagues do do some championship games Games. We don't know why you should be doing your championships on in week seven, six, week week sixteen. But if you're doing your championships on week seventeen, you got DFS plays. We will be back to do one final pod on Friday, and then another time sometime in January. We'll kind of wrap up the fantasy season for you. We always uh, tend to do that. But again, from for John Paulson and myself, Anthony Stalter. Happy holidays. If you want to follow John on Twitter? You can at four 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 underscore John. Follow me at Anthony Stalter. We will see you next time on four 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 dot com's the most accurate podcast. Yo, you want to meet me at the bar? Yeah. Yo, you want to meet me at the lounge? Yeah. Yo, you want